0: If you're turning with me, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 4. And today, I want to talk to you about light. And I was studying a lot this past week about light. And I was getting this really cool message and some really good stuff to say about light. And, uh... I even got this really cool illustration that I was going to give you and start out the message by asking, you know, if anybody's got a flashlight. And like 12 or 15 years ago, I could have said, hey, you got a flashlight? And the answer would be no, unless you were a nerd or a security guard. That was it. Got a flashlight? Nope. But now you ask if somebody's got a flashlight I guarantee you, look, there's flashlights already shining at me. Probably, raise your hand if you have a flashlight in this room. There's hardly anybody in here that doesn't. Almost every hand went up. Because now we got flashlights on our cell phone. And I was thinking about that, like how often we use those. Hey, let me see your light. Here, we pull out our cell phone. We look up under the stage. We look. This morning, I used mine. I think, let's see. I used the flashlight on my phone three times this morning. Walking around in here, checking the AC, flipped it on because I couldn't see up there, and didn't have all the lights on in here. Uh, looking behind the stage for something I was going to use for an illustration. Uh, like, we use our phones all the time. We didn't even realize we needed it they gave it to us, and now we use it all the time. Wait, now here I go. I'm starting. I was going to talk about my Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And when we didn't have the Word, we didn't know how bad we needed it. But it illuminates our path. And I, I'm trying to study it and put together that message yesterday with that cool illustration and example and all that. And God kept like, nah, nah, nah. and He kept laying storms on my heart. Storms And I was like, I don't want to preach about storms. I, I spent 15 hours this week developing and looking up scriptures about light. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And God kept saying storms. And so on Saturdays, I usually sit for several hours and put together the message. And so yesterday while I was sitting trying to put together the message, what was it doing outside? Storming. Oh, man, dang. So I looked up some storms and I started... You know, I had a few things about storms that I was looking up last week or two, but I it wasn't ready to develop into a message. And then I thought, oh, it's supposed to go with the light thing. So I tried to mesh it together yesterday morning, and it was like, nah. Nah. So, today, like I said, I want to talk to you about light, but um, God wants me to talk to you about storms. So I'm going to talk to you about light. So anyways... <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about storms. It may be a little bit different of a message, different kind of message, but I really feel like God's got a word for some of us, for me and for some of you. So we're going to look at two different storms. We're going to look at one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. We're going to start out with Jonah. So, Jonah was a pastor. He was a prophet of God. And he was told to go minister and preach to Nineveh. This godless, horrible, evil city. He was told to go preach to Nineveh. And he didn't want to go. He just hated Nineveh. He didn't like the Ninevites. He hated Nineveh. He didn't want to go there. He was prejudiced toward that group of people. He didn't want to go. Didn't want to do it. So he paid some money, and he got on a ship, headed the opposite direction. You can get out a map and look, and he headed the opposite direction, trying to get as far away as he could from Nineveh. Not only did he, he didn't just stay where he was and think and let God work. He took off the opposite direction. Remember, we talked about last week that every time in scripture where, where it says wait on God or wait on the Lord, it's, you say, say wait because you're running. So, this is a time where he should have waited, but instead he was running. He was running from what God had for him, he was in rebellion. And he got on the ship, headed the opposite direction. He said, Nope, I'm not doing it, God. You can forget it. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like God was calling you to do something you didn't really feel like doing? I have. Lots of times God tells you to do something, it's not really what you would pick. I have found. At first, now later, there's joy in the moment and there are things like, and you can see his hand. But a lot of times he'll tell you to do something that's not so fun. And maybe not what you would pick. I mean, I'm waiting on the awesome, I heard about this awesome conference that they have in Fiji. I've never been asked to speak at it. I'd love it. Invitation for that, yeah, but I have gotten asked to come and bring a hard, awkward word to a group of boys that I think uh, their youth pastor didn't want to bring, so they asked me to come bring it, like, and I... Prayed about it and felt like I was supposed to, but I ain't what I really wanted to do. I wanted to get asked to speak at the conference in Fiji. I mean, I like your water. <laughs> wah wah. So Jonah got asked to do something he didn't want to do. He didn't want to go minister to these people, and so he ran in the opposite direction. Altar calls, not yet. tag team who's tapping out tagging with me next (laughs) so we'll start reading in verse four but the lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken Then the mariners were afraid. These are professionals, and they were scared. They cried every man unto his God, and they cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it to them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So they're scared, they're freaking out, there's this big storm on them, they think they're going to die, they're throwing cargo off to lighten the ship, and Jonah's down there asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. Calling all gods, don't care who, call on your God, see if he can help. They're freaking out, They're, they're like, wake up. Whoever you worship, call him and see if he'll help us. We're calling all gods. If so be that, God will think upon us that we perish not. We're going to die. Get up. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah. So they sat there and cast lots. It's like drawing straws to see whose fault this is, that the storm's upon us, and it fell on Jonah. And they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? And what is thy country? And of what people art thou? Who are you? Where do you come from? What do you do for a living? Awkward. Oh well, I'm kind of a preacher, and uh, I serve the living God, who's, you know, he controls the heavens and the earth and the sea, and uh, he told me to do something, and I said no. Are you serious? Like, who are you? Where'd you come from? What are you doing here? I. I'm kind of in rebellion and running. Thanks, bud. Verse 9, And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea, yeah, this sea that's about to kill us, and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid. And they said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. How'd they know that? because he had told them hmm. <laughs> thank you Bible verse 11 then said they unto him what shall we do unto thee you ever asked a kid that okay you did wrong you admitted that you messed up now what do you think I should do sky should I spank you or ground you or they usually kind of go light on themselves but then they don't want to go too light because then they so they asked Jonah dude you're about to get us all killed what should we do to you that the sea may calm unto us for the sea wrought and was tempestuous and he said unto them take me up and cast me forth into the sea So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. In other words, I'd rather die than preach to Nineveh. Kill me now. What? He said, just take me and throw me in the sea. Because I ain't doing it. Stubborn. Stubborn. I know none of y'all have ever run from God or His calling that hard to where you'd rather die. But this guy was stubborn. And you may have a family member or somebody that's running hard from what God has for him, looking in all the wrong places. I know it's none of y'all. Me neither. But this may be a word for somebody else. So just hold it. Hold it for them. I'd rather die than go preach to Nineveh. Throw me over and y'all be fine. Verse 13 says, Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. They were trying hard to save him. They were trying hard to help him, but they couldn't. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and they said, We beseech thee, O Lord we beseech thee let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood for thou O Lord has done as it pleased thee so they took up Jonah and they cast him forth into the sea and the sea ceased from her raging then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and they made vows yeah I bet they did Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So Jonah didn't die. God was still working on getting him to his bottom. And we know the the rest of the story with Jonah. The storm stopped as soon as they chunked him out of the boat. I want you to know that your life affects the people around you. You need to be aware of that. How much your choices and your decisions affect the ones around you. Especially the ones that are close to you. Your family, your friends, your your church, your body, your community. You are a representation of God to the world. They, They did a poll and the number one um, Cause or the number one reason that people that don't go to church, the number one reason that they give for not being willing to go to a church is Christians. That's sad. It's supposed to be the other way around. We should be shining our light so much and loving so much and forgiving so much that people want to get closer. People want to be around. Your life affects the people around you. They were all about to die because of him. They threw stuff overboard and they rode harder and harder. Because they didn't want to throw him out. They wanted him to make it. They wanted him to repent. They wanted him to do the right thing. To turn his life around. So they kept fighting for him. But were they fighting for him? Or were they just prolonging God's plan? I've had people in my life that I felt like I was fighting for. But was I fighting for them or was I enabling them to keep running from God? You can't stop the storm or save someone else that's running in the wrong direction. Pastor Bruce calls that the Messiah complex. When you start thinking you're Jesus and you can save people. Because we're not meant to save people. That's Jesus' job. He saves them. Let Him deal with them. You can't save people. That's His job. You can love them. You can shine your light. You can remind them who they are. And how big God is. But you can't stop the storm. With them in the boat. Jonah would have never found God's plan. He would have never walked in it. Had they made it to land. Or had the storm stopped. He'd have never done what God was calling him to do. It's just reaping and sowing. Some people are just sowing storm seeds. Sowing seeds of fear and hate, rebellion, addiction seeds. And then you keep trying to run up with your lawnmower and cut down their crop. They're still sowing the seeds. What you do in the storm affects the people that are in the boat with you. Now we're going to look at another storm in the New Testament. Same circumstance. It's another big, strong storm. Strong winds blowing a hurricane. Same circumstance, but very different outcome. This storm was Paul of the Caribbean. So I like to call him. Paul was in this storm. He was in the will of God, walking in obedience, doing exactly what the Father had called him to do, and he found himself in a big storm where all the professional professional sailors were scared to death. But something different happens. Acts twenty seven twenty. Now they're going and Paul's a prisoner. Right, And they got a bunch of prisoners on the ship and they're going and they hit a pretty bad storm and they come up to shore. And Paul's like, guys, don't go any further. We can't go into this storm. Trust me. Hear the word of the Lord. Don't go. And they're like, ah, he's a prisoner. And the centurion that's in charge of the prisoners goes and asks the shipman and the master of the ship. And they say, oh, no, we can make it. old Bessie here's made it through a lot worse than this. We're fine. So they told Paul, be quiet. Get back in your cell. And they took off. You can read it. This storm was so bad, they gave it a name. It's a pretty bad storm. Verse 20, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared. That's pretty bad. The storm was so bad that they went many days and couldn't see the sun, stars, moon, nothing. Nothing. And no small tempest lay on us. Remember Luke? Luke was writing this. Luke wrote the story for Paul, the doctor. So I like how he says, No small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them And he said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. Y'all should have listened to me. Oh man, Paul's starting to sound like your wife. Should have listened to me. I told you. Y'all should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Creed. And to have gained this harm and lost. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Paul said, It's okay, be happy. Y'all should have listened to me. You wouldn't have lost all that stuff that you had to throw overboard and the damage to the ship. But be of good cheer, be happy. Well, that's going to be kind of hard to do. Find my place. Now I exhort you, be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. He said, we're going to lose the ship. But don't worry, nobody's going to die. There's life at the end of this story for everybody, everyone on the ship. You're going to have life. Nobody's going to die. You're going to lose the ship, but it's okay. Don't worry, is what Paul's telling them. Calm down. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. God sent an angel to tell him, I'm not done with you, Paul. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Paul, I'm not done with you and... So, everybody on the ship's gonna live too. You've heard of guilt by association. Now you get in trouble with being with the wrong people if they commit a crime just for being with them. Well, this is like the opposite this is blessing by association. If you're walking in obedience, even in the middle of a storm, then the people around you get life, they get blessed just because they're around you. Even if they're bad guys, some of them were other prisoners, and some of them were, there was a Roman soldier, a centurion. They were, they were, but they all got to live because they were around him. With Jonah, everybody was about to die because they were around him. Jonah was walking in disobedience and running, Paul was walking in obedience. Both were in a storm. In life, there's storms, there will be storms. Just like we looked at with Saul and Jonathan, there's going to be battles, but what you choose in that moment makes the difference. Verse 25, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. It's okay, be happy, calm down. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the 14th night was come, they'd been in this storm for 14 days, 14 nights. As we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country. And they sounded and found it 20 fathoms, And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. So they're getting closer to some kind of land. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. Please let the sun come up. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship... When they had let down the boat into the sea under color as they would have cast anchors out of the four ship. So, these sorry jokers, the shipmen, they acted like they were going to throw out some more anchors. And they were putting out the few lifeboats getting ready to leave. They were going to leave all the prisoners and all the rest of the people and we're getting out of here. We think we're close enough to shore that we're going to let down these lifeboats and we're going to get out of here. And they were pretending like they were putting down anchors. See ya. I'm gone. We're jumping ship. All the shipmen. And Paul said unto the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. So Paul tells the centurion and all the soldiers, hey, they're jumping ship. They're taking the lifeboats. They're the shipmen. They're the ones that are holding this thing together and holding us close enough to shore so that we can live. If they leave, we all die. Paul's a little tattletale. What do you think they did? All those Roman soldiers and the centurion. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat, and they let her fall off. They pulled out their swords and said, buy lifeboats, ching, 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 and went along and chopped all the ropes, and the lifeboats floated away. Shipmen are like, what? What's going on? Oh, I thought y'all were coming to drop anchors. Why are you worried about the boat? Oh, yeah, we were. Paul said, if they leave, we all die. They're here for a reason and a purpose. Verse 33, and while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. They hadn't eaten anything for 14 days. Wherefore, I pray you, to take some meat for this is for your health for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you don't worry so I got four things that that you can do in the storm four things that you can do to make it through the storm Number one, stay on the ship. Just stay on the ship. Get rid of your backup plan. Stop trying to run. Every time things get hard, every time a storm shows up, know that you're in obedience and stop trying to run. Burn the ships. Get rid of the backup plan. Stop. I dare you to plant your feet plant some roots and grow some fruit trees don't grow very big in a pot it moves around all the time plant some roots plant your feet and take a storm stop running Psalm 92, uh, 13 says, Those that be planted where? In the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Stay on the ship. Quitting's not an option, running's not an option. Second thing, he just told them, calm down. Eat some food. It's okay. You're going to make it. Second thing, be still and chill. Calm down. It's okay. I know it's not looking like you thought it was. I know the storm is kind of crazy sometimes. I know this, but calm down. It's okay. Be still and chill. (sighs) Take a breath. Wait. Don't run. It's okay. In uh, Luke 12, 25, Jesus is telling the disciples, don't worry. Like which one of you by looking in the mirror can make himself an inch taller? Y'all remember that's where what Jesus was telling the disciples. I'm I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But he's telling them, Don't worry. Stop. It does no good to worry. You can sit here and worry all day long. And not only does it not do any good, it does bad. For you and the people around you. Stop worrying. Be still and chill. Calm down. Psalm 46. Um, 10. I, I apologize. I didn't give all these scriptures to Sarah. I only gave her two. so That's on me. Um, Psalm 46 10 is the one that says, um, Be still and know that I am God. That means stop freaking out. Take a breath. Trust me. Remember, I'm in charge. I'm big. I'm strong. I'm powerful. I know you're in a storm. Don't freak out. Stop worrying. Calm down. Just be still. Verse 35. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and he gave thanks. The storm's still going on. The storm didn't stop. The ship's falling apart. They aren't saved yet. They just had all the shipmen tried to leave them and ditch them. So they could be offended and upset. Because he tried to leave me. I thought they were loyal. And Paul's sitting here giving thanks, breaking bread. It says he gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, they were all happy, joyful. And they also took some meat. Third one, praise God in the storm. Man, Paul was pretty good at praising God in the storm. At praising God at midnight. Him and, Sol- him and Solace, Silas having that worship service when they were locked up and beaten in prison. And I mean, that's one thing we can look at Paul's life and see. He was pretty good at thanking and praising God in the middle of storms. In the middle of hard times and bad times, here they are, still in the middle of the storm. Storm didn't stop yet. Then here's Paul breaking bread and thanking God and praising God. Paul gave thanks. You know, it's easy to thank God when things are going your way. It's easy to give God credit. When you look at professional athletes, or somebody wins a Super Bowl, the first thing they're going to say, I want to thank God, and I thank my mama, my coaches, or somebody wins a Grammy, I thank God. Like, But it's easy to thank God when something great's happening to you. When you're on the mountaintop, that's easy to thank God. What about when you don't understand? What about when you, like Paul, you got thrown in jail, or when you when you messed up or, or what about when it wasn't your fault and somebody else did something to you or you feel like you're in a storm because you were too close to somebody else? Can we thank God in the middle of the storm? Verse 37. I'm going to wrap it up. Let's finish up this story. And we'll close and we were in all in the ship 200 3 score and 16 souls and when they had eaten enough they lightened the ship and they cast out the wheat into the sea and when it was day they knew not the land but they discovered a certain creek with the shore And to the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. All right, here's the plan. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves into the sea. And they loosed the rubber bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners. Wait, that includes Paul. Lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. And he commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. fourth thing you need to know God will get you there on broken pieces it's okay God can get you there on broken pieces so maybe the ship that was supposed to be getting you to your destination maybe it's broken in little bitty pieces Maybe it's not even what you thought it was. He said, grab a board, grab a little piece of the ship, grab a stick. I don't care. Broken little pieces. Look, I had Malachi bring me in some pieces. He went and found a wooden ship and I busted it up with a sledgehammer for me before service. On broken pieces. And maybe all you got left is a broken piece of what was. Of this glorious ship that you thought was going to get you to your destination. Have you ever been in a situation where things were falling apart? The ship was falling apart. They couldn't hold it together. They couldn't. It was just busted in pieces and falling apart. You ever been in a relationship or a marriage or a church or on a job or maybe your finances, it just feels like the more you tried to hold things together, it just feels like everything's falling apart. You know that things will never be the same as they were. The ship is about to be destroyed. And it seems kind of simple. But the word I have for somebody today is you're going to make it. You're going to make it. It's okay. But all I got is broken pieces. That's okay. Hold on to those broken pieces and stay on the ship. The broken pieces are going to get you to the ship. All I got is a little bit of a, a piece of hope left it's okay broken pieces will get you there all I have is broken pieces more than enough so stay on the ship be still and chill stop worrying praise God in the middle of the storm And remember, God can get you there on broken pieces. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you that you love us. And that even when things don't turn out like we thought, and even when the ship is broken, that you have a plan. And that you're going to get us to land. God, we trust you. Thank you for placing people in our life that can help us. God, give us peace as we go. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the storm, that we would trust you. And we can have joy and we can worship you and praise and give thanks right in the middle of it. God, we love you. Thanks for growing us. Thanks for grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.